You are listening to the Two Sorry Excuses podcast. And for that, I apologize. Thanks for downloading the Two Sorry Excuses podcast, broadcasting live from the NCAA's Office of Compliance and Legislative Services. I'm your old pal, Sanders. And I'm your compliance director, Liv. (laughs) And if you're keeping score at home, this is episode 56, the Please Hammer Don't Hurt Us edition. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) What a joke, man. A preemptive postseason ban. (laughs) <laughs> i don't even know where to start I, I, you know what and i actually had a bunch of shit this week that i was like oh you know what i never pay attention to what goes on uh you know during my week um mostly because i sit in front of a computer upstairs in um my childhood bedroom doing work that doesn't bring me any revenue so not much exciting happens but um, I've been out and about doing some stuff the last couple weeks, and um, you know when you interact with people, uh, there's there's the opportunity for some fodder. Yeah, so I had some stuff that I was like, oh, you know, I got to tell Liv about that. That's funny. This is really good. Um, but the uh, self-imposed and uh, postseason NCAA ban that the athletic department levied upon uh, the basket basketball program, right? Or is it the entire it's the basketball athletic program? Just the basketball program. Uh, just men's? Yeah, it's just men's. Okay. It's all because so. of crap that happened in 2007 or whatever. I think it's the stuff that involved that guy from the YMCA. I don't know. If, I mean, I think we might have talked about this before. There was some, I think it was a YMCA. Some kind of guy that was running some kind of charity program, quote unquote. And I think he ended up get, going to jail or at least getting busted for, uh, you know, embe- embezzling funds from the YMCA and stuff. He had an intimate relationship with the basketball program. Right, right. You know. And it all stems back from that? Yeah, I think it's all affiliated with that. I guess there's probably some academic issues in there too, I'm sure. But the reason they're doing the band probably has more to do with whatever went on with the players and that guy, because I think he was paying guys to come out there, you know, like paying players to make appearances and stuff Okay. for like basically nothing. Like they'd go work these camps. Um, this is all from what I remember from months and months ago. Right. It can't be academics only because um, UNC admitted to cheating academic 20 years of academic fraud and got nothing. Right. I, I was thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that exact same thing, and um, they've they haven't done anything. Yeah, they're never going to do anything with that. Which is totally bullshit, but a totally different story because um, I don't know when things like this happen to Syracuse. I, I feel like we tend to botch them even further. Yeah. I, I feel like we we can't get out of our own way. Um, I mean, this investigation has been going, the investigation goes back to 2007. Um, it hasn't been going on that long, has it? No, no, no. It's been going on a long freaking time. But it's going on, yeah, right. 
Like it, like they've been dragging their feet. You know, you know what I say about that. You know about everybody like, oh, they're only doing it because they suck this year. Yeah, we might be doing it, but you know what? This investigation has been going on since before, well before the basketball season started. Right, right. You know, so don't sit there and and keep dragging your feet on it when you know you're going to do something to to fuck us later on down the road. You know. Right. Well, I mean, that just goes to the whole. Um, tone and tenor of the of the NCAA to begin with which yeah. is just a bunch of hypocritical bullshit so i mean the, the i understand what we're trying to do we're trying to get ahead of it yeah. but um you know it it's like it's like robin peter to pay paul yeah i mean yeah, totally. I mean, we're just trying to get ahead of it, get it out of the way. I mean, yes, this is our greatest team. Um, we, it was going to be tough for us to make the tournament. Uh, we still maybe could have made it. Who knows how the last couple of weeks of the season are going to turn out. Uh, we probably would have had a better chance to make it had Chris McCullough not gotten hurt. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you think about you think about if like Grant and Ennis would come back, how stacked this team would have been. Yeah, that would have been sick. Where would we have fucked her? We would have got fucked somewhere along the line, really. This is the way we're getting the least fucked. Yeah, I feel bad for a guy like Rakeem Christmas, who's having a monster year right now, that his season's going to end whenever our last regular season game is, because we're not playing the ACC tournament either. Right, right. And and it's too bad, because as much as we've talked about how really unlikable this team is and, and how difficult they are to watch... There's only ever two teams in my mind when when I kind of look at a team uh, at, in any given year, especially when it comes to their prospects um, for postseason play or March Madness in particular. I size up the team and I say, eh, you know what? This team looks an awfully lot like 96. Yeah. Or, or I size them up and say, oh, this team looks an awful lot like 2003. And this year, even though it wasn't quite in that mold, it's still and 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 realistically, in my heart of hearts, I know this is no real comparison. But you do have that, you know that that big man who's having his breakout season in Christmas, yeah, you know, which is kind of in that John Wallace mode. And then you do have, uh, you know, a guard who can get hot. And you know, shoot the lights out of the basket uh, in Cooney that you did yep. have in Jason Sapola, and then you have a couple role players who, you know, during the season you're like, man, I can't stand to watch this guy or that guy doesn't have it. But you know what? Maybe if they get on a roll or maybe if they get hot, all you need is a couple pieces to fall into place. And and I was slowly talking myself into that. And well, then when the were you talking band? yourself into that? And I hope <laughs> um, that was before McCullough got hurt. Um, a little bit before McCullough got hurt. All right. Because but, the problem is after he got hurt, I mean, we really had no depth. We didn't have that right. much depth with him. Yeah, and, and it wasn't a very lengthy conversation yeah. with myself. But you know, to give up on the team at that point, you know, it just seems... Um, you know, kind of seems um, and uh, unpatriotic. No, I would never for, for give up Arn's on Nation. You know, 
I did not see the game the other night, though, which sucks because, I mean, I was out and about and kind of busy. But I did see we had a... Virginia Tech? What's that? Yeah, the the frantic comeback. I I walked into a bar, and it was on the highlights they were showing, and and, uh, apparently it was a good enough game that they were showing to a regular sports center. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you because know, we're not ranked. You know? Right, right. Not even two a.m. Sports Center. It was yeah, uh, the yeah. O'clock? This is like at eleven o'clock. It, oh. I, I saw that it was that they were showing the highlights. I mean, it's also probably because there wasn't much going on the other night because NFL's done. You know, right, right, right. But um, but you know, and then it was like that was Tuesday, and then yesterday, all that came out about the self-imposed sanctions. And I'll say this much, if that's the last hurrah for the season, that's a good last hurrah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. No uh, doubt. But that really just puts um, puts a real damper on the next couple months. I mean, yeah. without March Madness, um, it's, it's a long time before there's something to really get excited about and to root for. I mean, I'm, I, I'm a casual baseball fan. Yeah. Um, I used to be a big baseball fan. Steroids kind of um, did me in, in terms of, of being able to have a real rooting interest. Um, nominally, I would call myself a Yankees fan still. Um, but, you know, again, they're not a particularly likable team. And, no, they're not. You know, they don't have the homegrown talent that, that I was kind of weaned on is gone. So, you know, I'll go to a baseball game because I think baseball games are a pretty good social event. Um, sit outside in the sun, you know, you can drink a couple baseball of beers. Baseball is so much better to attend. Yeah, ab- oh, absolutely. For one, you don't have to pay, you don't really have to pay attention to what's going on. Yep. You know, you can sit there and have a conversation and occasionally, you know, it's not like a football game where you're in it the whole time. Right. Baseball, you can just sit there. Baseball is a terrible sport to watch on TV. Uh, it's terribly boring. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I agree. It doesn't you know, translate well. It's about the event going to it, you know? Absolutely. Whereas I think football is the opposite. I think football is much better to watch on TV. Oh, football is way better on TV because, you know, when I go to games, like I go to games fairly often, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I went at least three times this year. You just die. That You know, they're trying to get better the nfl was showing replays of controversial stuff but it's not the same as being home and being able to watch the stuff over and over again you know yeah absolutely especially when it comes to fantasy teams and and multiple angle replays and you know there's just so much going on that has nothing to do with on the field it has more to do with the production value of the event. And you can't replicate that live. That's a, that's yeah. a TV deal. Yep. Yeah, um, it's perfect I, I, for TV, too, because it's played on a grid. You know? Right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so I don't know what I'm going to uh, do. I don't know. Um, my dad's a big Devils fan, um, so I don't know if they're, um, they're having a particularly good season. Uh, postseason is always um, something that's kind of cool. Um you know, to kind of catch um, playoff hockey. Yeah. But again, you know, my dad's been in India, so um, it's not even like he'd be up for uh, for catching a game. He's not even around. So, uh, well, I guess we uh, 
we pack up our pom poms till football season, spring spring practice. I mean, yeah, I guess you can. <laughs> that's do what that. we have to look forward to. I mean, you just gotta live, damn it, live. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you a funny thing about the postseason ban, about the self-imposed ban. Yes. Uh, I say this because Mike Reardon sent out since I want these meathead Boston blog things, Barstool Sports, you know. Right. Like like it took that Barstool Sports thing for me to know about our recruiting class for next year and the implications of taking this band now, you know. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, you, you know, I saw that email on my phone. I saw that email on my phone um and I couldn't uh I couldn't read it. Yeah. Um or even really see the graphic. What was what were they trying to say? Well, they were like saying what every what every Cuse fan knows. Oh well, of course they're taking their uh, their their band this year. They're having their best recruiting class in history next year. I don't know about our best recruiting class in history. Yeah, I don't know about We're that. We're having a really good recruiting class. There's no doubt about that. But we've had recruiting classes that involve like Derek Coleman and. Carmelo right. Anthony. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, there's there's four very good guys coming in next year, but uh, not one of them is a five-star, you know, according to the ESPN rankings. You know, they're all four stars. Right. But, like, you know, even McCullough this year was a five-star. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but something you responded to, about it made me laugh because yesterday when I posted the story to my Facebook page, I, I led it with in other news. I, in other news, I'm taking myself out of the running for this year's sexiest man alive award. (laughs) 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 Wasn't going to happen anyway. (laughs) Right. Right. Brilliant. (laughs) And I believe your comment today in the email was like you were giving up your chase for most blowjobs in a month or something. Right. So, uh, so not, uh, so giving up uh, getting blowjobs for Lent yes. has lost its appeal yeah. or lost its validity. Yes. Uh, uh, such a joke. Yeah. Such as you're not getting. <laughs> <laughs> giving up blowjobs isn't a problem for you and competing for the world's sexiest man alive isn't a problem for me <laughs> they're easy things to give up right us giving up our postseason eligibility this year um but that um that just i mean it does suck i mean those guys at rock and christmas you know? Yeah. And that's uh, it literally had nothing to do with these guys. Benajay made the game win shot the other night. You know? He mm-hmm. scored the last six points of that game or whatever. And he's a senior too. So that that was his last hurrah, basically. You know, he thought that was meaning something. Of right. course they those guys probably already knew. Right, right, right. You know? So maybe that was part of it, you know? Um <laughs> The um, but uh, it it's just so hypocritical that the NCAA that it that if we didn't impose some type of ban, the NCAA is going to come in and impose some type of ban. Um, 
Now, we kind of have to sell out our athletes in order to save scholarships, in order to, you know, reduce the likelihood of a multi-year ban, you know, do those type of things. So we look at it and we say, we're not going to make the tournament this year. So we are going to, you know, we're going to self-impose a ban and hey, sorry, um, Rakeem Christmas and sorry, Ben Najay and, and, you know, sorry, Cooney. Yeah, Cooney's got one more year though, so... This is, uh, you know, this is you're gonna have to pay the price for the sins of your brothers. Yeah, well, any anybody that was gonna take it was gonna have to pay the price for the bullshit years ago. And I mean, it's any major university that's the problem. I mean, like, look where Syracuse is. It's the it's the equivalent of pro sports team out there. Everybody wants access to those guys. You know, but they're in a bad. They're in a position for stuff like this to happen and that kind of sucks but that's life so but here's how you solve that problem so when a student when a student takes um you know some type of independent unilateral action if he takes money from an agent or if he goes out and he um you know, and he signs autographs um, a la Johnny Manziel or Todd uh, Gurley. Todd yeah. Gurley? Yeah, Todd Gurley, guy from Georgia, yeah. Then, then that athlete obviously gets punished. But when you have something along the lines of institutional control being lost where there's a there's a gray area between okay obviously students are getting benefits from this but if an assistant or a admin or some type of um, you know academic side um, staffer does a little investigation about the YMCA or the booster involved they can say no 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 no, no. this is no good there's no yeah. you can't let that happen. When that's the case, and we're talking about a case just like that, it should be penalty for the coach, fine for the athletic department. Because guess what? Athletic department will crack down and will impose institutional control pretty quick when money is going to be coming out of their pocket. Yeah. And the coach will make sure that there is no ah, uh, listen. I mean, I know it's my program, but I can't, you know, I can't control everything. That's not going to happen. Yeah. When 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 he is on the line singularly, and you know, well, I, I love Coach B, and I don't necessarily know if there was something that he was overtly involved in. I don't but, think he was overtly involved in anything. I think it's just. The byproduct, Beheim's not a micromanager. That's the right. thing. You know the way he is. He runs it like a professional basketball team. Right. He lets players come and go as they please. I mean, that's why shit like this happens at Syracuse. Yeah. No, and it's absolutely, it, it's cyclical. Yeah. It seems to happen about once every 10 years or so. Like stuff doesn't happen like this at Duke, even though people are coming after them. The reason that doesn't happen at Duke, I'm sure, is because Krzyzewski's a control freak, I'm sure. Right, stuff like this didn't happen under Bobby Knight. Yeah, control freaks like that who who frigging control every little aspect that players, you know, or Bobby Knight and Krzyzewski are cut from the same cloth, you know? 
protege of one of one another, you know, military style backgrounds. That's why it didn't happen. Yep. You know, whereas Jim Beheim's just like, just get out there and don't be an idiot and play the game. Yeah. And, and as an alumni, as a fan of the team, uh, you know, I don't have any problem with that. I think that that's a that that's actually benefited our program over the years. It's benefited the school. Um, it kind of fits the mold of kind of what Syracuse is and what it's about. Yeah, um, it, it's very much what Syracuse like. Syracuse is a laid back place, man. <laughs> but if that's going to be the case, then it is up to either the either for him to put somebody on the coaching staff or the administration to have some type of oversight to realize that this stuff is going to happen and be able to watch it from afar. Yeah. You know, there's got to be some accountability somewhere. And uh, Noon's Magician had a had a nice little article. Um, I think it was um, I think it was Keeley, who um, you know basically said, "Man, listen, I would have just loved for somebody to step up and say, yeah, about why Jim Beheim doesn't step up and say my bad." Yeah, and yeah, and I, I thought it yeah. I thought it was good. I thought it was a good yeah. article. It's definitely worth the read if if. You know, if you're so inclined. Yeah, I read um, this morning as well. Why doesn't he ever just step up and say, even if it's not totally on him, just uh, say it's my program, mea culpa. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and he would get a clean slate every time. Yeah. You know, from, from the fan base, from the alumni, because he's just so cherished. Yeah, I and, mean, he would. Uh, but like Keeley realizes, that's just not Behan. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's absolutely. not going to do that because that's what people want him to do. <laughs> He's like, fuck you to everybody else, which is what makes Beheim cool, the fact that he gets up and says, fuck you to everyone else. Right. You know? Right, right. No, it's true. And you can't have it both ways, and I understand that. Um, I would just like to see us not get ourselves in this situation. Yeah. I mean, obviously, they adapted after the first time stuff happened with the whole Conrad McCray thing 20-something years ago. You know, yeah, and that was way. There was way more illicit stuff going on back then. Yeah, I mean, and it was overt, and yeah. you know, it was part of the culture. It's I just, think of of sports, you know, uh, college sports in general. Yep. I mean, the stories that that even predate him, you know, that go back to, um, you know, DC and Billy Owens, uh, like stories of them uh, having. Uh, matching um, Jeep Cherokees, yeah, with license plate forty four and license plate third, you know, New York yeah. license plate forty four and New York license plate thirty two, um, and you know, parking them on the quad, yeah, in anything between classes, like anything they wanted, you know, it was a, it was a shit show, it was Animal House back then, but um, that, those were just the times, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it was a different time. I would have liked to have been there during those times. Um, Yeah, I mean, that would have been good. I always remember, who is it? Was it Duchek telling me a story about a guy he knew that was the manager or something on the team? And the story was something like Coleman showed him a picture of himself in bed with like six chicks or some shit. <laughs> And he was like, see this? This is more bitches than you've ever been with in your life or something like that. 
Oh, that's great. <laughs> I remember being up there when I was a student. It was probably like 98 or 99, and Coleman was in town, and he was just sitting at the end of the bar in 44s, uh, and he just had a bottle of Jack Daniels. You know, they just, you know, because 44s was the ultimate jock bar. Right, right. They just gave him the bottle of Jack Daniels, and he was just pouring shots and handing them out. And I remember, because I was, I was friends with guys at 44s and shit. They're like, uh, so we went in there. I was like, I'm going to go get a shot from Coleman. You know, you just walk up and he's just handing you shots. <laughs> <laughs> and he was just like a king, man. <laughs> yeah. He's just, you, you know, when you go in 44s, that back corner of the bar. Yep. Yeah, he just had he just set up shop right there. Was getting fucked up, and he was getting everybody else fucked up too. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. That, that would never. Like, that's when he was in the NBA too. That would never happen today. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think somebody of that caliber comes back and makes himself so available. Yeah, I'm and, sure Coleman would still does it today. I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, I'd imagine that he would. He'd be the guy. He would be the only one. Those games, you know. Yeah, I've run into him a couple times um, in uh, New York City. Yeah, he's always at the games in New York, but he's up at Syracuse a lot. I mean, he lives in Detroit, but obviously, guy's got loads of money. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, as much of a malcontent that they always, you know, all the flack he took, like as an NBA player. I fucking love Derek Colvin. I especially love retired Derek Colvin. <laughs> uh, retired Derek Coleman um, is probably one of my favorite, um, my, my favorite uh, Syracuse orange personalities. Yeah, <laughs> he he's the best man. He live tweeted. Um, what did he live tweet the other day? The North Carolina game. Uh, I believe it was the North Carolina game. Is that the and, where he was, um, yeah, where he was bad-mouthing Patterson, I think, right? Right. Who, who recruited this guy? <laughs> <laughs> and he was gone off because, I mean, I think I sent you a screenshot. That was like an hour and a half after the game, he was still tweeting shit about his disappointment with the program. <laughs> About how they don't have the balls to be wearing the S and stuff like that. Right, right, right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Too much, man. But um, our um, opportunistic, um, what's it called when you, uh, what's it called when you're kind of a, um, what's what's the phrase I'm looking for here? Um, Profiteering. Yeah. Athletic Department Bookstore uh, has uh, come yeah, out yeah, the with the Q Strong T-shirt. Yes, capitalizing. <laughs> Unbelievable, man! That is more embarrassing than the. I can't uh, believe that. It was the T-shirt saying like. Uh, it says um, in big letters. It says uh, Q Strong, and then the subtext is unfinished business. Syracuse basketball, 2015. <laughs> oh, my God. I thought... Oh, excuse me. I thought the um, the undefeated 
And the number one ranking shirts were a little embarrassing. You know, yeah. kind of like pretend you've been there yep. is, is kind of like what I like to see out of my apparel, um, my 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 sports team apparel. I guess uh, on a, like, you never had like a Syracuse championship shirt in 2003, huh? Uh, no. Yeah. No, what I kept were... Um, were various mementos. I kept the room key from the hotel because yeah. they made the, all the room keys. They made um, Final Four logos on them. They had like that jazzy Final Four logo on it, yeah, which is really yeah. cool. Um, I kept my ticket stub and I kept my press pass because um, Peters and I got to have um, press passes yeah, or at least VIP. We got to go somewhere to eat. Fancy food. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, so I kept all that stuff. I didn't, I didn't have a, a, a championship T-shirt because I had a long sleeve championship T-shirt, and I still have it, but it's way too big for me. Okay, long sleeve might might be the one I would go with. Because uh, I don't know, it's just I don't, the long sleeve shirts seem to to last a little longer in terms of like not appearing dated. Yeah. And even if they do appear dated, that's kind of the point of a I don't know. That's just weird. I don't know. It's some kind of weirdness that I have. Um, There's something about dated t-shirts that I don't like. (laughs) Yeah. I don't like free t-shirts, and I don't like t-shirts with dates on them. Yeah. So, um, you know, I don't have a lot of championship apparel. I don't don't have a Colts championship t-shirt, but I did buy a t-shirt... from that year with Bob Sanders. It was it's one of those jersey t-shirts. It looks like doesn't look like a jersey. It's a t-shirt, but it's got uh his name and number on the yeah, back. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking like a, about. Like a batting practice shirt if it was a baseball team. Um so I bought that as kind of my memento for the uh for the year they won the Super Bowl. Um 96. I don't even know if I have any any, I had uh, a Final Four T-shirt that I bought at the time, like from Manny's or somewhere like that. You know. Okay. All right. I don't have that anymore, of course, because that's friggin' twenty years ago almost right. now. You know. And like, I, think- the, I can't get rid of the Final Four long sleeve T-shirt, even though I'll probably never wear it again because it's a double XL and it's way too big for me now. Right. But I don't want to get rid of it. You know. Yeah. No, you got to hold on to it. It's like in perfect condition too. You can make a uh, like a get a jersey frame for it. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna go that far. <laughs> maybe make a pillowcase out of it. Uh, 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 <laughs> or you know maybe what? Find a large friend who loves Syracuse <laughs> and will wear a shirt with um, championship uh, insignias emblazoned on them. Yeah, but that was actually. I'll say this much what I did like about it. It's a fairly restrained championship t-shirt because luckily that was a time in between the crazy ass championship t-shirts. till now that they got these friggin' real gaudy ones with the big print letters and stuff on them again. I used to have um, the worst arguments with the guys I worked with when I was at the, uh, with the, at the NEC. And 
Um, a proper amount of text and stuff you should have on any pr- merchandise. Yeah, and I was a uh, a traditionalist and a minimalist. Yeah. And I was appreciating at the time when retro was just coming around and it wasn't passe yet. I was I appreciated the retro vibe. So I tried to institute a lot of stuff that, you know, was a lot simpler, a lot more retro, um, real simplified championship apparel, because as the marketing director, that fell under my realm. But prior to me, people had been in charge of it that didn't want to let it go. So it ended up being the worst of both worlds, like this real bastardized cheesiness yeah, was trying to be retro, and it was just it failed miserably. So, yeah, I um, that kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Oh, I hear you. I hear you totally. You know, when it comes to apparel, I just kind of checked out after that. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like ours was actually pretty good. Yeah. Like, you see a lot of these shirts that are so cluttered up, like where the whole front of the shirt has stuff all over it. The worst, especially for NCAA, are the the bracket T-shirts. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where they do the name and the logo and, like, you know, it's just like an explosion. It's too much for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know why I'm so damn sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> See, the one I had in 96 that I think was a Manny shirt, the reason why it was a little better was because it had the little, like, pocket logo on the front. Okay. Oh, and then it had something on the back. And it's always way better if there's a lot less on the front. Um, yeah, I, I generally agree with that. That's, that's, a, that's definitely a Mike Reardon um, philosophy when it comes to... Uh, his T-shirts. Yeah, he's if you if you ever see him, he's always got. Um, excuse me, he's always got um, left pocket uh, insignia and then back print T-shirt. Yeah, I mean I have a lot of T-shirts with big logos on them, but not ridiculously like uh, hip hop looking inspired or Ed Hardy ish. Or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, more cooler looking things, you know? But, uh... So that's that. That is that. What else you got, man? Uh, so one of the big scandals involved... Uh, also coming out this week involves Monmouth County's own Brian Williams. Oh, yeah. And the other reason I mentioned... The only reason I didn't even bring it up is... Because of the story I was reading, talking about it, it it uh, linked to a story about uh, Brian Williams's alma mater shutting down, and I saw that it was he was being quoted in the Asbury Park Press because it's Matter Day High School. All right. Well, before you get into the Brian Williams story, yeah, he. Um uh, Monmouth County is home to about four or five um, Catholic high schools, including CBA, where I went. Yeah. Um, they break it down mostly geographically. 
Um, so if you live east of 35, you go to modern day. If you go to west, if you live west of 35, you go to St. John Vianney, blah, blah, blah. But I interviewed for the chief marketing officer position with modern day high school this summer. They had an an open position. Um, it was essentially, it was a combination marketing, um, development, Okay. So it was like new student marketing and alumni development. Um, they didn't tell me that. If I knew that, I probably wouldn't have applied. Or if I would have applied, I wouldn't have been so optimistic about it. Um, I didn't find out that there was a development component until the final interview. When they ended up hiring somebody who had a little more development experience than I did, came I was a finalist. It came down to me and some chick uh, who ultimately got the job, and um, like I was into this interview for over a month was the interview process, and you know I did flowcharts and PowerPoint presentations, and um, you know had two phone interviews. I had to do a diagnostic uh, personality assessment. Uh, I had to go meet with the president of the of the campus, the you know, the pastor of the church, like the whole deal. Yeah. And I thought I had it. I thought I I nailed it. Um turned out that it, it you know came down to like one vote. It was like a you know a seven to five or yeah. uh, something something along those lines, seven to six vote. Um, not in my favor, but then they called me back and asked me to do a, um, like a freelance presentation on a, uh, like a summer Institute that they could have used to, you know, to generate revenues. It turns out there was a, like an executive board, like a board of governors, a yeah, past yeah, alumni, yeah. et cetera. I was essentially their candidate. And then this chick was the candidate from the uh, administrative side. So the board of governors called me back in and was like, listen, we really want you to present, you know, this idea, which is your strengths, um, to, to run this summer Institute. I went back, I did that for another month and it ended up getting, um, voted down. So it was like total hassle. I was totally heartbroken. Um, like in the midst of a professional spiral, this just kind of like pulled the plug out of the drain. Yeah. Um, and then I read that story the other day, actually somebody sent it to me that they are going, uh, the school is going under after 50 years, they're operating with a million dollar deficit. Um, and right now they're trying to save the school. And of course, Brian Williams is their most notable alumni. I mean, it's only a school of, it's got an elementary school, but the high school probably only has, I don't know. 150 kids tops okay. in four in four grades super small yeah yeah super that small, small. It, it's hard to keep catholic schools open this day and age especially the small ones like that yeah yeah especially in that area where there's yeah. there's five other schools within a 10 mile radius I mean, or 20 mile radius like before the hurricane there was you know down here you know catholic schools are pretty big but they have schools that have been you know, they've had some schools since the hurricane that have consolidated and schools that probably will consolidate because it's just, you know, it was such a hit on them, you know? Right. It's hard right. to, you know, when less and less people are gone to those schools nowadays. I mean, nothing's, my school is fine, but but I've heard of schools that have like, you know, 40-something less 
percent enrollment now as opposed to 10 years ago that's ridiculous yeah that is crazy you know so so what's the what's the ancillary brian williams story oh so i I don't even know it okay it's kind of a big deal right now monday i think it was there was a guy being honored at a rangers hockey game like a iraq vet and okay. Brian Williams was with him too. And Brian Williams was saying something about, oh, yes, I was with these guys as, you know, on the copter when it got shot down and we had to land safely, you know? And, and he's, uh, and these other vets, I guess, online were like, Brian Williams wasn't there. He showed up 30 minutes later. Like, there was like a troop of helicopters or whatever going in and they start taking fire. Okay, and, and one of them or a couple of them were hit, and they had to emergency land. Well, Brian Williams wasn't with that group of helicopters. He was on a helicopter way beyond them, like in a different unit or whatever. And he had no problems. He safely traveled and landed there, you know. So the next night he went on the news and was like, "Oh, I screwed up. I." This was one time I said this. I wasn't on that helicopter. You know, I was trying to relate to this veteran or something. But apparently he's been telling this story for like 10 plus years that he was on this helicopter. Because tonight they showed an inside dish and they showed a clip of him on Letterman years ago telling the same story about how he was on this helicopter. Ah, uh, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Brian Williams. Uh, now people question, what else is Brian Williams? <laughs> what other stories has Brian Williams been lying about? <laughs> He's not even really a modern day alumni. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it's kind of a mini scandal, you know. Yeah. It. Um. It just doesn't ever, ever pay to co-opt a a military theme story. Yep. What uh, Hillary Clinton did it too, right? Didn't you yeah, say? Yeah, well, Hillary Clinton did say basically the same sort of shit. <laughs> right, right. It just, it just doesn't. There's no, no good can come of it. Yeah. Just leave it alone. It's not your story, you know. Don't jump in on it. Yep. Uh, speaking of which, um, saw American Sniper yesterday. Oh, I need to see that still. Was it good? Yeah, it was, it was really good, I, man. I really need to see it. I just, My life's been a friggin' chaotic for a bit. I just haven't had a chance to make it to the movies. I need to watch um, Hurt Locker this weekend so I can compare them one for one. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, because you think Hurt Locker's the best military yeah. movie ever, right? Best yeah. movie at least- about war. At uh, least Iraq. middle, yeah. At least Middle East themed. Um, this had way more. Um, this had way more um, action than Hurt Locker. Yeah, Hurt Locker really gets in your head. Yeah, but um, this does a pretty good job of getting in in your head. And I'll tell you what, man. Um, Bradley Cooper is no joke. Oh, I love Bradley Cooper, man. Bradley Cooper's the new uh, Matthew McConaughey. Before Matthew McConaughey's even done being Matthew McConaughey at this point. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't know anybody that doesn't think Bradley Cooper is the man. Like, yeah. everything he does 
and and everybody that sees him is like, man, I just wish I was Bradley Cooper. Yeah, I mean, first time I ever remember seeing Bradley Cooper, I disliked him so much because it was a wedding, wedding crashers. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even realize that was him until you had told me that. Yeah, I remember when I saw that movie, I was like, that guy sucks because he reminded me of people I knew. You right. know, people that I... He reminded me of people I used to see when I was younger who I just resented. <laughs> the entitled rich asshole. <laughs> right, right. And he and he played it so well, and he's got that look because he's like, you know, he's a good-looking guy. <laughs> right, kind of beefy, you know. Yes, like he's got that preppy dickhead look down to a T. <laughs> Even his name in the in the movie, right? It was Sack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then even when I saw Hangover, which was the first time I realized, oh, this is this is that guy. This is Bradley Cooper, and now he's going to be a star, you know? Right. Which was the Hangover. I was like, even in the Hangover, which I loved, the first one, he still was playing kind of an extension of that, you know? Right. Of like the 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 preppy asshole party boy, you know? Yep. But uh, but I've seen him in a lot of stuff since, like like American uh, Hustle, you know. Uh, Silver Linings Playbook is what really did it for me with him. Yeah, I'll tell you what, man. In the last, I want to say two or three weeks, um, I've, I've probably seen Silver Linings Playbook four times. It just, I don't, it must be on like a cycle for like uh, Showtime or something like that, and. There are particular movies that come out at junctures of my life that people will be like, oh, well, you just like that movie because you want to be it. You just like Jerry Maguire because you want to be a sports agent. Yeah. And I wanted to be a sports agent first. And then two or three years later, I, I was already in law school, and then Jerry Maguire came out. So I became obsessed with it because I already had this notion of what it was like to be a sports agent. Yeah, and it was just confirming right. it your suspicions are it, what you the best part of it as far as you're concerned. Exactly. It didn't it didn't mold me. It didn't influence me. It, like you said, it confirmed or validated the things I had already thought. And same thing with Silver Linings Playbook. You know, obviously spoilers for people who haven't seen it, but um, it was an Academy Award-winning movie like two years ago. So fucking get over it. <laughs> Go rent it. It's about a crazy guy, or, or a guy who has like a bipolar um, disorder, and he. He he's in a failed marriage and uh, he loses his job and he goes to home and live with his parents and he yeah. hooks up with this crazy chick and just to his series of and events. And the backside and- was, I mean, there was like a, I mean, I don't know I went to see, but there was like a backstory where apparently he had flipped out publicly or something, didn't he? Which led to the whole shit. Um, they, they kind of make allusions to it because everybody's really nervous around him. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like when he um, goes to the school. When and he goes everything. back to the school, totally. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And, um... Oh, because he went in and started beating the shit out of the guy that she was cheating with or something at the he, school, I think. Yeah, well, sh- the wife worked at the school, and yes. then the guy she was cheating on worked at the school. Yes, yes, yes. And he beat the shit out of him. Yep, yep. That was a great movie, man. 
So I've had, uh, uh, you know, I've had this connection with Silver Linings Playbook. One, because it's always on, but two, like, you know, it, it, it resonates. You know, not, not that I um, beat the shit out of somebody and then went to a crazy institution, but, you know. <laughs> Don't even make me say why it resonates. <laughs> <laughs> why does it resonate? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, don't make me <laughs> Because you're gone through a broken marriage and you're living with your parents. <laughs> oh, I mean I mean come on, if you wanna if you wanna go the obvious route <laughs> I'm not gonna call you crazy. <laughs> you wanna go on the obvious route? Uh, come on, it doesn't take, you know, it doesn't take a scientist to break down that. No, no, no. I mean, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I was going more towards the uh, metaphysical, uh, you know, connection of, you know, rediscovering yourself through your own devices. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, okay. You... Which, is all, which is all spawned by living with your parents. <laughs> oh man hey man oh. i lived with the parents for damn when was that basically two years so it's not like i really have room to talk you know at least you've been married. Yeah, it's part of the cycle, man. It's just part of the cycle. That's the, you know, that's the thing that uh, that really keeps me from hanging myself in the morning. <laughs> it's part of the growth process, you know. So, um, so anyway, went to see. <laughs> uh, so uh, now I'm going to become a Navy SEAL sniper and uh, go to Iraq. That, I guess that's really the moral of the story. Well, you found your calling. But un, it, a phenomenal movie, man. Like, it's it, it's a really super movie. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be out of the theater particularly soon, but, like, get to uh, it, man. It's going to be in there for a while. I mean, I'm yeah, going to go see it soon, but, uh, but it'll definitely be there a while because, um, well, because it's, got a big rah-rah element you know it's a very patriotic movie yeah um and i won't give any spoilers away but i didn't know the story of this guy it's a true obviously a true story um about the most decorated sniper in u.s military history um and I wasn't aware of his, his life story, any part of it. And it does a really good job of not only telling this, the story of a soldier, but telling this guy's life story. Yeah. Um, it gets you, man. It, at the end of the movie, like I'm talking like credits are rolling and, and you know, um, we're into like, you know, boy grip credits. Like that's how deep through the role you yeah. are. Nobody's moving. There's not even music playing over the credits. They're just rolling on a black screen. And, um, like, I think I like to sit through the credits. I, I, I always catch those, like, Easter eggs 
that they bury. I sit through the credits all the time, dude. I love credits. Mostly, I want to see what that song was that I heard. Yeah. You know, and the songs are always the last thing that they roll. Um, so I'm, I'll always sit in a movie theater. I'll be the last one up. It got to the point where I was like, Dad, we got to get up because... I mean, we could be here all night if we just if we wait for somebody else to get up. And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right." Um, so like that's how gripping it was. Yeah, I was supposed to go see it with my mother a couple weeks ago, and that didn't happen at the time, and life got in the way. So yeah, yeah. Uh, but I still need to go see it. But uh, what was I gonna say? Yeah, uh, and I saw today they're having a problem appointing jurors for the trial of his murder because you know that's what happened to him um, i don't know if they mentioned that in the movie but you he, know he was trying to help i mean this is a fact this isn't something that's spoiling the movie if it is in the movie this is just well known before they even made the movie i learned before they even start making a movie i learned this chris kyle who is american sniper which the book is based on he was trying to help a a effed up Marine and he was at a shooting range with him and the guy turned the gun on him and shot him and killed him. And they're trying to have the murder trial right now, but they're having a problem appointing jurors because of the popularity of the movie. Oh, all right. All right. That, um, it was that recent that the trial hasn't even happened yet. Yeah. I think he was murdered in 2013. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, crazy man, absolutely crazy. Yeah, totally. And the uh, I didn't realize that Sienna Miller. Um, she you know who wife. she is? Yeah, she plays the wife. Yeah, she did an awesome job. Like it was just a, <clears throat> it was a really really great movie. Um, I don't that was not our choice for our best picture. I don't remember. I'll have to go back and, and, and re-listen to the Two Sorry Excuses Oscar preview oh, show. Oh, what Best Picture is going to be? Yeah, what did we say? I was saying, I think I think we sided with Boyhood. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, I think yeah. that, I think, I mean, I was of the view that it's between Boyhood and Birdman. Right, right, right. And we had said, we said Boyhood as a uh, kind of uh, uh, a... Tip of the cap to that the the movie making process that yes. that went behind that. Okay, no, that makes sense, and I I think that should still win um, for that same reason. But this, it's uh, American Sniper is not going to win, and this is why it's not going to win. Politics because since it's come out, the liberals have fucking come out the woodwork. It's become a polarizing movie. I'll tell you what, though, where liberals fucking hate it. Because they think it glorifies war, you know, and the conservatives obviously like it because the liberals hate it. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what: the, you find me the person who um, thinks that it glorifies war. Um, I'll show you a person who hasn't seen the movie. Like okay. um, it, by no means does it. And that's what I've heard about it. That, and even before it came out, I was reading stuff. You know, interviews with Clint Eastwood and Bradley Cooper and everything, and everybody talking about reviews that it does not glorify war. No way. You know? No way. Yeah. It's uh, it's what I would picture as a realistic portrayal um, of what those guys deal with, you know, for the most yeah. part. 
Yeah, but people always, you know, everybody's, you know, I don't know. People got to put their buy. Nothing can just be what it is anymore, <laughs> especially if it involves a rack. Uh, you're absolutely right, man. You're absolutely right. Everybody's got an agenda. Yep. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. So, I mean, you have heard about that, I'm sure, how polarizing this movie's become. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, da- I have heard that. You know, um, it's just a fucking supposed to be... I just wanted to see it because it sounds like a good movie, and now it's just... Frickin', oh, if you see that movie, you're lying yourself with Sarah Palin. Like, come on, the fuck, man, you know? Right, What? whatever happened to, to a movie's a movie, a story's a story, have some entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I don't know. It's depressing how that type of stuff happens, but say la vie, say the old folks, right? That's right, that's yeah. right. Um, I saw a couple things about the movie going experience. One, this was my first time going to the theater where you can choose your seats and have reserved seating. Uh, okay, I've been I've been to a theater down here like that, but I went to one in Quincy with Brian and AMC theaters where it's a gravity. Mm-hmm. And the seats there were the ones that like totally reclined backwards. All right. I also had that experience as well. Yeah. Uh, it took me a while to warm up to it because I'm a little I'm a little old school when it comes to movie theaters. You know, I actually kinda like to go to the old, old movie theaters that don't even have um, stadium seating. Stadium seating. You know, like um they still have a couple of those like second run theaters around here where you can pay yeah. two dollars to go see a movie and you know it smells like old people and piss, but old people and piss. You know, it's two it's two bucks, so you know, why not check it out? I used to love those places when I was younger, but they don't even exist anymore around here. Oh, uh, there's a bunch up here. I saw um the other guys. Was that the um Marky Mark? Yeah, Marky Mark and Will Ferrell. Yeah, they play cops. I yep. saw that in a $2 movie theater. Best $2 I've ever spent. Because one, I thought that was a really funny movie. But two, you know, you see it at a second-run theater. And, like, you, your expectations are so low that you end up being pre- pleasantly surprised, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I used to love it. I saw so many movies. that It used to be a dollar. Mm-hmm. I, I saw, like, Silence of the Lambs, Mississippi Burning. I, I saw... So many damn movies at the Dollar Theater. <laughs> Driving Miss Daisy, I think I saw at the Dollar Theater. Yeah, listen, if it wasn't for if it wasn't for Dollar the Dollar Movie Theater, I might have never gotten laid in high school. Nice, because my high school girlfriend and I—that's that's what we did. We went to see like that's how we we built a relationship. Yeah, yeah. And we dated into college. Movies. Yeah, we dated into college. We we dated a long time. So, like, that was all based on going to the Dollar Movie Theater and whatever was playing, we would just see it. I probably saw... Yeah. (laughs) I probably saw 100 movies during our courtship. I wasn't very smooth, so it took me a long time to really... No, I feel you, you, man. ...really get in there. But um, that... um, That's an experience that I don't mind. But I did... I did after a while i reclined my seat like my dad is a gadget guy and he flies a lot and you know he just he's always up on the newest things he went in right away and he went to full recline he had the seat that was like the love seat that you can pull the um 
the uh, middle out of if you were on a yeah. date or something and you can, you know, you kind of snuggle up. So I look over and he's like literally lounging. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, no, no, it's all good. It's good. I noticed nobody was sitting here. So I put the thing up. I'm, I'm relaxing. <laughs> I'm like, or just because you can doesn't mean you have to. Yeah. Um, but he was comfy. He enjoyed it. And about halfway through the movie, I, I put the feet up a little bit and then put them up a little more. See, this is the question I have. Who runs that theater that you went to? Was a- it an AMC? AMC, yeah. So, like, it was not so many seats in the theater anymore, right? Yeah. I mean, it had to be half, the, at least half yeah. the amount of seats because the rows were twice as big. They have yeah, to be. Yeah, because we went to it, and that's what it was like. And apparently that's the new model. Uh, I was reading they're going to be trans... They're going to be transitioning the theaters down here because, uh, you know, uh, most of the big theaters down here are AMC. You know, there's a couple, there's like four or five really big theaters in the area that are AMC. Right. And that, and I, I was reading that just not too long ago how that's their plan that they're going to be. Actually, I think it's in the Wall Street Journal how they're going to be trying to do that to most of the theaters across the country. You know. Yeah, and. And uh, did ticket prices go up significantly? Uh, I mean, I doubt it. Huh? I don't. Yeah, I don't remember what I paid for the movie. I know popcorn. I got a small popcorn and a and a medium soda. Cost me fifteen bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It's so damn so, expensive. That's where they'll get you. But it was good. It was a good movie. Um, a good movie going experience. Um, yeah, I gotta. I gotta start doing that. Of course, this is a real bad time because Mardi Gras seasons. Right. Ready to get in full swing. So, what's today? The fifth. We got twelve more days of this. So, so might not be catching too many movies before then. But, but I might have to go see one or two because of stuff that I'm afraid that's not going to be available. Like I want to go see Foxcatcher. Right. Now I got to make sure that's still in the theaters. You know. Yeah. I mean, it probably will be just because it's an Oscar movie, but. You know, the worst is like when by the time you get ready to go see something, it's already out. Oh, I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. That um, that always happens to me with uh, with movie previews. Um, I'm a huge trailer guy. I love to get there in time yeah. to see all the trailers. And then, you know, I give all the trailers thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, hey, I'll go see that. You want to go see that? Yeah. And then I never, ever remember to go see something that I saw in the movies on a trailer. Yeah. And they're out of the theaters. I was like, oh, shit, I wanted to see that, but what did you do? last thing I saw was in December, probably a week before Christmas, I saw a top five. Oh, right, right. Chris Rock film. It's just, I don't know, I say I'm a guy that's into the movies, but I haven't seen them in a while. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to uh, to kind of carve out the time. Yeah. Even you know. though it's only two hours, you know. Yeah, it's just that it's hard breaking away from everything else. Yeah, right. Because it is. You need it's the it's it's one of the few activities in life now that you have to unplug in order I, to engage. I don't mind that, but it's know? hard to do. Yeah, I mean, I love I love going to the theater and turn my damn phone off right away. Right. You know, I was where was it? Oh, I went to see the Captain America movie last year, and there was a guy in there. I think I told you this story. 
because there weren't that many people in the theater. And he sits like at a row in front of us, like in the middle. And he answers his phone in the middle of the fucking movie. You know? That's ridiculous. Like, I don't know, man. Like, he couldn't fucking wait. You, I, I can guarantee he wasn't some executive or anything, you know? He answers <laughs> his fucking phone to say he's in the movies, for one. Right. You know, it's... It's like, don't fucking figure it out. I'm sure you have nothing that pressing in your life. He, I, I can guarantee you he wasn't a doctor or anything, you know? Right. <laughs> Based right. on his wardrobe and his general, uh, the way he was speaking and everything, I guarantee you there was no reason that that motherfucker couldn't go without a phone call for three hours. <laughs> and I guarantee if he was a doctor, his first instinct would have been to Head out of the theater. Yeah, exactly. He would have got the fuck out of there. And so. the thing is, now he needs to talk on the phone. Fifteen years ago, twenty years ago, he wouldn't have. He would have go, just gone to a movie. He wouldn't have been stepping out. Oh, I wonder if anybody's looking for me. You right. Know? Right. And now, um, you, now you need to answer your phone in the theater. I don't get it. Yep, I'm of that school. Yeah. If you couldn't find me in the '80s, you don't need to find me now. Yep. Yep. Uh, well, uh, what else you got, man? Uh, I got nothing, man, except I got a couple dogs running loose downstairs that I'm worried that they are eating uh, oriental rugs. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hear you. You don't um, want to your parents for that. Exactly. So, um, so I'm ready to put a bow on this, uh, this week's episode unless you got something good. I don't really think good. Of course, I'll think about it when we. I'm sure there'll be something when we get off. I'll be like, damn it! But no. <laughs> well, you said there's uh, 12 days of Mardi Gras left. Basically, I mean, nothing's going on. Saturday was Crew de Vue, which I ended up getting way too drunk at. Um, that was the little thing through the quarter. Right. But tomorrow it really parades start rolling and then it goes straight through basically. There might be may, there's probably nothing on Monday, but basically starting tomorrow it starts gone and it starts amping up on Wednesday of next week and then it goes straight through to uh to Fat Tuesday. So um you're gonna be able to carve out any time next week? Because I know that's last what I'm thinking about we might have to do it on maybe we have to do something on Tuesday possibly. Okay, that's cool. That's I'm cool. I'm thinking about it because you know there's a lot of parades rolling like Wednesday and stuff like that that I'm probably gonna want to get to. We're probably gonna have to carve out Tuesday. All right, so let's do let's do it early and then you what uh, we can do is this fascinates me. I'm, I'm I'm interested in last year. I think we only uh, we only touched the tip of the iceberg in terms of um, my Mardi Gras edification. So okay. so um so get into something good worthwhile this weekend. Uh, we'll come back on Tuesday. We'll chat about it, and you can uh, you can give us a little uh, or give me a little tuto- uh, Mardi Gras tutorial 101 uh, again this year. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sounds like a plan then. All right. Cool. All right, man. Well, then, on that note, uh, with apologies to Girk's brother, we'll see you guys next week. Good night, Fredo.